HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. The following program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery. Cane Vineyard and Winery supports Heritage Radio and the growing movement to change how Americans eat and how we think about our planet. For more information, visit www.cane5.com. on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Here today with Dite Issacher. Uh, I'm going to spell it out, actually, too. D-I-T-T-E-I-S-A-G-E-R.com. Uh, wonderful photographer and probably best known in the food world for two gorgeous cookbooks, John Besh and uh, Noma's most recent cookbook, which I just found out was not their first and won't be their last. More on that soon. DJ, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me here. Will you just say your name uh, correctly? In Danish? In Danish, In please, Danish, yeah. it would be Dide Isaya. I'm trying. You know, you we, think you did really yeah, well. Yeah, you know, and we've run through the Scandinavian <laughs> circuit recently, so I'm trying to use some brevity and say these <laughs> you correctly. You did good. You did good. Really well. <laughs> um, growing up in Copenhagen. Yes. Were you interested in food? Was there a big food culture aspect to your family? Um... I mean, who don't have an interest in food? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Um, I think not as... I think the... Um, I probably had a pretty normal relationship to food in my childhood. I, I, well, I must say, I grew up with in a house where I lived with um, my parents and my sister and my grandparents. So I 
kind of had two different kitchens, both my mom's and dad's kitchen and my grandparents. Yeah. So, and my grandparents was very uh, traditional, old-fashioned Danish, and my mom um, loved all the kind of... She was doing meatballs with only vegetables and not yeah. meat, yeah. and my grandmother did the meatballs traditionally. So, yeah. so I grew up with uh, two very different kitchens. Yeah, what, what are some of the more older, traditional... You know, uh, Danish dishes. Pork. Pork. Pork, yeah. I mean, uh, meatballs, um, roast of pork, um, pork and potatoes. I mean, that's kind of very traditional. Brown sauce, pickles, herrings. Um, and so, uh, yes, yeah, so a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. You know, my mom's kitchen is a little more salad <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, not jumping so far ahead, but in Noma, uh, the gorgeous greens and you know wild forged things were these objects, were these ingredients that you saw growing up? No, but actually, one thing because my mom have always used these. Uh not all. I mean, Noma goes take it a little more advanced. Yeah. Uh, where you know everyone was always laughing of my mom having this little hippie food uh, where she was picking all the you know the, the things you have to take out of the garden. You know the <laughs> things that are not supposed to grow Eating there. The she, weeds, yeah. yeah, she was taking that and you know using that for salad and stuff. And uh, I think that's probably the closest to the more Noma foraging things yeah. that I've had. But you know she did that kind of things with taking stuff from gardens and and you know not the normal letters and yeah. normal stuff what what kind of ingredients were they what were the not normal oh now you got me because i have no idea what uh, yeah. that would be in english but yeah. you know the oh. green one that you have to take out from the flowers they should not be there they, yeah they well tell us in danish just in case wherever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, delicious uh yeah really good i actually you know i had rene for dinner yeah. uh, the other day um when i was home and um i put that in the salad for him so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that will be in the next cookbook. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first. We're on to you, Renee. So growing up in Copenhagen, you eventually went to school for photography. Yes. Um, did you always know you were going to be a photographer? I, my, um, my dad did a lot of like amateur photography. He had a little, like he set up in our bathroom in the basement. He set up like an amateur dark room. So I, I was helping him up doing like family black and white portraits and stuff. So it's always been a big part of me. And um, in school, I took like photography classes. And I think when I was around like 15, 14, I decided I wanted to be a photographer. Um, and so throughout like high school, I, you know, I did a lot of photography. I, I um, you know, I was at a music high school, so I shot pictures of yeah. all my friends who was, you know, musicians and stuff. And then I pretty much right after high school started on my uh, education. Yeah, do you remember what kind of camera you had back then? Yeah, I mean, what was my first... My first one, like proper can- camera, was probably a little Canon. And then I, uh, I have my old... My, my dad died when I was 10. Uh, so I, I got his, all his camera stuff. So yeah. That was an old Pentax, which I still have. An old, um, small format Pentax. Yeah. It's not in such good condition anymore, but I still have it. <laughs> yeah, but um, you you've been shooting Pentax up until recently. Yeah, until last year. I still have all my Pentax. Yeah, that was six seven, but I I still have that whole box of Pentax, and I was shooting that up to like pretty much for all jobs until last year. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to college or university for yeah. photography. Yeah. And then what is Schiller Studio? Schiller is the the way you take your education in Denmark is not like here where you go to university. You pretty much. You sign up with one photographer for four and a half years, and once a year you go to school, um, and for like between ten and twenty weeks, um, and the rest of the year you spend with that photographer. And so you 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 assist him. You you know you go to the dark. I mean now now it's different, yeah. but then that <laughs> time you know I you know I did a lot of printing in the dark room. I um, did all his printing. 
I but I also had days where he was not shooting, so I was, you know, sorting out necks and stuff yeah. like that, you know, doing all the boring stuff, or prepping for a next shoot, or, or doing posts for, yeah. you know... So, um, I mean, it's a it's an internship. It's it is. an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. But, but you get, I mean, you get, that's the, I mean, really amazing thing, you actually get the salary, you get paid for, you know, that's yeah. four and a half years. Also, <laughs> when you're amazing. in school, yeah. you, you get paid for everything. Uh, and, I mean, the, the Schiller Studio at that time was a great... Uh, uh, place it has like um, I think there was like 25 photographers all together oh. in one yeah. so that was five studios there was a digital department there was a, a lab there was a, a production company did the um, film and um, so there was all these people so it was like big creative house and I was very lucky I, I got to change three times while I was at Schiller so I, had, I was working for three different photographers uh, on those four and a half years there. yeah so and what kind, of, what kind of styles of photography did those photographers um, work in the first in the first uh, the first one I started with he did a lot of portrait uh, but in the studio where he was there was two other photographers who did um, interior and food and that was how I kind of started yeah. getting into that whole scene and then the next one I went to was the owner and he no, that's not true. The next one I went to was this young guy who was a little more, you know, he did a lot of advertising, portrait, and fashion. And it's very, like, technical with his light. I learned a lot from him lighting-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one was the owner. And at that time, he was probably in his 60s. And he, you know, he'd lived in New York. He had studio next to, uh, I can't remember who did he? He had all these, like, fancy... Um, uh, studio he did a baker at one point he, he wanted to do a Danish bakery I mean yeah. he's this crazy amazing guy uh, and he took me in and said you know what you have one and a half year left go on do your stuff and and um, and help me from time to time but start you doing your own thing so that was an amazing start for me yeah yeah do you remember your first assignments I remember the first job I had after I um after I ended my education, it was actually for Velux, which is the window company. So there was a huge like interior <laughs> yeah. where we build up like sets, and we were there for 14 days, uh, and we built up huge sets. So that was a fun start. You know what's very interesting is that you, you talk about all these technical things, but you, your photography is grounded in Dutch masters. Yeah. Um, where did you get that from? Obviously, from being in Copenhagen. and Yeah, and I think also, I mean, the light plays a big role for me. I mm-hmm. think... Um, Lighting, and I think when you when you grow up in Denmark, it's not yeah. like half the year. So yeah. <laughs> you know you really appreciate the light. Yeah. So I think you have you get a you get a love for light. Every Danish people want big windows in their house. You know, everyone. That's the first thing you you look at when you look at a new apartment. Yeah. Uh, you know, how's the light? Is it dark? And, yeah. uh, because there's such a you know, in the six months where it's light, everyone is so happy and <laughs> yeah. it's so nice. Uh, but in the dark months, it's very dark. So. I think you get a love for light, and I think that's that's also what I'm seeking in my pictures. And I love playing with light, and I love you know creating life, and I get very inspired by light. Like, you know, that can be the light streaming in from the window in the yoga studio, or it can be in a restaurant. It can be all different places. But I think um, light is such a beauty, and it's, yeah. it's fun to try and create it in in photography. Yeah, but like the Dutch masters too, you're really good at dark. Yeah, um, I like moody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not light. It's not only light. It's yeah, also dark. It's the absence yeah. of light. Yeah. Um, yeah. Caravaggio comes to mind or you know a lot of those Dutch painters from what Vermeer Rembrandt yeah just how certain important details were illuminated and um, it it shows very much in your photographs but you also have sometimes it looks like a six months light period six months dark period (laughs) (laughs) and you know you can almost seem to see the same setups of a table um, with the lights on with the lights off yeah Uh, how is it adjusting to the light in New York I mean 
you obviously have daytime, you have nighttime. Yeah, I mean, New York is, I mean, New York, I mean, of course, it's different because you have, you know, longer days in the winter and the summer is is not as light as it is in uh, Scandinavia. But um, I think that just, I mean, I think for me, you know, I create the light and I can create a moody shot in the summer and I can create a very light shot in the winter. And I sometimes it's fun when I have people, you know, or clients coming and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, it's so rainy. Uh, because they want bright light pictures. But yeah. I'm like, oh, thank God it's rainy because I don't <laughs> want the sun to come here. I want me to be in control. Uh, yeah. So well, when people give me a table next to, uh, you know, a window in a restaurant to shoot a dish and they're like, yeah. oh, it's great sunlight. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah I'm no, going to have to diffuse the hell out of this. <laughs> yeah. Like cloudy days yeah. or gray yeah. days are yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, so I think, um, I mean, New York is not such a much different for me shooting wise. Yeah. In the light, of course, shooting is different here, but. After leaving Denmark, you spent some time in London. Yes. What was that for? I I never had any dream about coming to New York. I thought I was going to go to London. So yeah. that was kind of my, you know, finished my education, had started up like uh, as a photographer in Denmark and had, you know, some clients and stuff and, and wanted to go on. So I moved to England. Um, and then I started to work a little bit here and I, you know, I thought it was really interesting here and I got more and more work and then it got a little too crazy because my boyfriend was still in Copenhagen and I was in London but I was also here mm-hmm. so we decided to just move the both both of us over here um, because I kind of I was very excited about the work here and he wanted to go here as yeah. well so so um, so I you know the whole thing changed from what I was, was thinking I was yeah. going to do well how is the UK cuisine uh, oh it's better now yeah it's getting better <laughs> But then, um, you know, I think uh, it has a lot. I mean, London has so many amazing restaurants. And I think it was when I was there, it was kind of changing. And I think there's so many talented. I mean, um, I just shot, uh, you know, from St. John's uh, restaurant is uh, my absolute uh, yeah. favorite restaurant. From and Fergus I just, yeah, Henderson. I just shot uh, yeah. Fergus and uh, Margaret, his wife, uh, recently. And uh, that was for Bon Appetit? Yes. Yes, that and was a wonderful spread. He, I mean, I adore him and his restaurant. And I was so happy to actually get to meet him and shoot him and be at his home. Um, so I think him and Moro is very talented. Sam and Sam was the uh, Moro restaurant. Um, and I mean, I think even at that time, there was a lot of good restaurants there. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and... Um Talk about New York. Yes. <laughs> Noma, future cookbooks. We'll be right back. You've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com.
following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to Greenhorn Radio, hosted by Severin von Scharner Fleming, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Greenhorn Radio is radio for young farmers by young farmers. Helmed by acclaimed activist, farmer, and documentarian Severin Fleming, Greenhorn Radio is a weekly phone interview session surveying America's cutting edge under 40 farmers. Again, that's every Thursday at 2 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Here today with Dita Isager. I'm getting better. Better, yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> a wonderful photographer. Um, probably best known most recently for Noma's cookbook. Uh, we'll talk about Renee and Noma in a second, but you made this transition in New York only a handful of years ago. Um, yes. How was it different then, Denmark, than London? Not just work-wise, but, you know, food-wise. Um... I mean, New York, here you can get everything. I mean, yeah. New York, food-wise, food it's just, uh, it's a whole new world that opens for you because you can get the whole world here. It's not like, you know, in Copenhagen, there might, I mean, there might be one good restaurant that do Mexican, but probably not even one. Yeah, right yeah. here, you know, <laughs> you, you have all these different kitchens in, in one city. And, and, I mean, even better, you all have them that do it really well. Uh, so I think food-wise, that has probably been... And then you also have, you know, better... Um, access to more like ingredients I think like maybe not on a chef plan but um, if you go to the supermarket and you just go shopping there you know there's a huge amount of just like you're going into the vegetable fruit shop and they're not like traveling so far away it's not yeah. like the, you know they're still from within here or South America and stuff yeah. it's not like crazy um, well do you find a lot of native cuisine ingredients you know uh, things that you're used to from Copenhagen from Denmark here Mm, there's a few things that I'm missing. Yeah, do you but even you know, care about those things anymore? Or? No, I do. You know, yeah. and I, there's some things I always have to get when I get home uh, because there's some things that I can't get here. Obviously, I mean, obviously, uh, and also then things are different here. Then you know, a prawn is different, bigger here than the yeah. one I'm used to, or the potatoes are a little different. I mean, there's all these different things. But I mean, I think that's the uh, that's a charm of each city that they yeah. have their own stuff as well. So you left Copenhagen, London, came to New York, but Noma yes. is how far away from where you grew up? Um, Noma is like um, on a bicycle. It would probably be 20 minutes wow. from where I grew yeah. up. Not far. <laughs> I mean, Copenhagen is so small, so nothing is really far yeah. within Copenhagen. So how long have you known Rene Ridzepi, uh, the chef? Seven years. Seven years. Yes. And at what point did you two realize there was going to be a cookbook and start photographing? For the first one or the second one? See, that's the thing. I don't, not many people know that there was a first one. There was a first one, yes. Yeah, and what was the first one? The first one was a small little book that Renee and I did together. Uh, and no one really believed in this, either restaurant or the book, because, I mean, everyone was laughing. He was doing Nordic ingredient. I mean, yeah. they were all, like, you know, talking about seal, meat, uh, um, seal or uh, whales, blubber and stuff like that. And, you know, no one really understand what he wants to do. Um... So the only reason we got to do a book, Renee really wanted to do a book. Um, and we did a book because the co-owner of Noma is a very well-known uh, well chef uh, and TV uh, chef called Klaus Meyer. And, you know, the publisher would do anything to make him happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, yeah, yeah, he had this little restaurant that just opened. So, yeah, they will do a book for him. So Renee and I did the book and it was just the two of us. Renee had to do the dishes after and, <laughs> you know, I had to kind of... Uh, pull in some plates and stuff to do it so it was just the two of us and it was like a little Sunday project and the book was very small and it 
it was only printed it um i think in total there's like four thousand danish and thousand english printed so yeah it's a very small book yeah have you seen well i'm sure you have one of the original printings but have you seen many english printings being floating around i mean i have one of each i have yeah. one of the the i have a danish and i have an uh, english the english one was one Rene printed himself so he he sold the thousand copy himself yeah so, yeah um i think uh you know uh what's the bookshop in london uh, books for cooks i think oh, yeah, they, yeah. at one point they were selling them yeah so then, they, a, then they went out now there's none of them around a cult classic yes pretty <laughs> awesome so the second book which yes. most of us know as the first book yes this was a long process. This was a very long process. We started. Um, it was a. Uh, it was a project that I and the stylist Christine Rudolph and Renee started, and we <coughs> we decided to do it without a publisher because Renee. There were some things that Renee and I was not so happy about the first book, so we wanted to do this book as a book we were really happy yeah. about and we didn't want anyone to interfere we just wanted to do it what what things weren't you so happy about were they aesthetic were uh, they workflow they, yeah it was workflow and it was like you know a little bit of the way that they how they printed it when he had something about you know color and you know he, he's very specific so yeah if he, in in his mind that juice is green it has to be that green and not like a tip yeah. the other way and you know there was a lot i mean when he called, he called me when the first book was out, and he was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe it. There's so many things I don't like." And of yeah. course, you know, the book looks beautiful, yeah. and there's not like, um, but he's he's very particular, and um, luckily he's happy with the second. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, and the fir- he's happy with the first, but I think. The, um, this one we just wanted to not not have anyone to tell us that we needed pictures from the kitchen or we needed pictures from this and yeah. and, and that um, so we we put all the money up ourselves and it was like a little fun private project we had um, and we started shooting and we was and you know I'm I live I live here Christine is in between here in Copenhagen and Renee is very busy but in Copenhagen mm-hmm. so and his and his all in ingredients is very much in season so we had to kind of you know I had to go in sometimes for one day to shoot and then fly back and I had you know was, everything yeah. was on my own expenses so it was a crazy um, two years of shooting and trying to get all the um, ingredients in the you know in the time where they were actually there and get the recipes and all that and then when we were when we were nearly done shooting, we put together a little mock-up and sent it out to the publisher we really liked. And Faden was, of course, the one we really wanted from the beginning. So we sent it to them. Um, and first, they uh, they said no. <laughs> so we were like, okay. So we had a few other op- um, um, we had a few other publisher who was really really interested. But we were like, oh, we really want the Faden. Yeah. And then Renee went to that little uh, award in London. Um, and he was voted number three. So this is, you know, a few years back. Yeah, this is the San Pellegrino best <laughs> restaurants yes, yes. in the world. Little, Little award, award in Yeah, London. I know. Yeah. I mean, it was, I went with him a couple of years ago. He called yeah. me and he was like, oh, there's this little thing in London. Can you come <laughs> with me? I don't know really what it is. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll go. So I went with him and we were, he was, I can't remember, number 37 or something. This was yeah. the first time ever any Danish on the list. And we were so happy. <laughs> I mean, we were out celebrating. We had dinner. I mean, we were really excited. And then, you know, Two years after, three years after, he's number three. It's like, fuck, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, Faden came up and they were like, we're going to do a book together. Yeah. <laughs> so so then, and I mean, I must say, I'm really, really pleased with what they've done. And they have totally taken all our thoughts and um, all the... I mean, we were really 
anxious about giving all the, our pictures and all our things over to someone else because who's not been part of it. But they did such a good job. I'm really, really happy with what they've done. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful, it's a strikingly beautiful book. I'm, I'm really happy. Yeah. And they, you know, the whole thing, that, the idea where they, because that was the idea with putting all the pictures together. Of course, I was really happy that you yeah. know, all the pictures could be in one go. And um, so I did, they, I think they did a wonderful job. Yeah. I'm very, very. Pleased. What is the English subtitle for the book? Uh, time and place in Nordic cuisine. Yeah, and it's so well captured. And what's amazing is, you know, uh, Dutch masters, still lives, also yeah. had that kind of zeitgeist to yeah. them. And for you to capture that and present that was a, you know, big applause all around. And Thank you. there's a third book. Yes. <laughs> But that's only, I mean, that's just in a very, very beginning stage. We yeah. just started and we're talking, you know, now we have to do something different. Yeah. I, mean, you, you know, I mean, it's hard to kind of uh, follow up on that one because that was such a special project for all of us. So um, we're, we're talking ideas and we've been shooting a little bit and, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what we want to do to make it different and mm-hmm. to, um, to make it interesting. Well, what lessons have you learned from the second book? I mean, it being so hyper-seasonal. Um, yeah. Were there really elusive ingredients that you tried to shoot, but they're only uh, reasonably fresh for a day and you missed that day? He, yeah. I mean, he is... If they're not fresh, mm-hmm. he won't have you shoot it. I mean, he, you, he won't... Um, so he's very um, particular with these things. <laughs> so it's... There's not... We haven't shot anything that was not, like, proper or, like, right. Or I mean, he, he don't want to do that. So yeah. he, we can't, you can't really cheat anywhere. So you have to be there or you'll miss it. Yeah. So that's, um, I mean, and but I think... Because that's also the, a good subtitle for the book, Be There or Miss yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the next one is going to be... A, I hope it's going to be a little different. So we'll figure out a way how to work around all of our schedules and... Yeah. And get the ingredients in there. What were some of the most amazing ingredients? Well, I mean, you must have seen a couple growing up, but I'm sure there are, were wild ones that yes, you'd never heard for of. For sure. Before. I think, like, you know, known Rene for the last seven years and following him and, and you know, um, going to the beach with him is really, really exciting. And I recently, I did a shoot for GQ where uh, Ellen Richman and I, I went with them while because they were doing the interview and stuff. And I just went, um, you know, with them the whole day. And we went forwarding on the beach with Rennie. Yeah. And uh, it was really, really interesting because there's a lot of these things I don't know you can eat. I mean, <laughs> it's like... And they, he is like, this is wild horseradish. And it doesn't look anything like a horseradish. Like pepperwort, yeah. But it, yeah. it tastes exactly like horseradish. Yeah. And, it grow, and then there's all these like mustard, um, uh, sea mustard or something. And, and it's exactly like mustard. Yeah. Uh, but it's like a green thing on the, on the beach. Um, <laughs> so I think the beach herb has probably been the one that strike me the most because they're so um, delicious yeah. and, um, and I didn't know anything about it. Uh, do you go out to the Rockaways here in Brooklyn and... Look at the beach and say, hmm, I want to eat that. <laughs> no, I don't. Maybe I should. Yeah, no, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I should, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but here there's a plenty. I mean, I know Rene have been forwarding here with, you know, some of the, like, David Chang and some of these guys. I mean, you can go up to Central Park and there's uh, heaps of things you can eat there. It's kind of amazing. Um, for Edible Brooklyn, Edible Manhattan, a woman, Marie Villogen, I probably just butchered her name from South Africa, grew up foraging, yeah. eating all these wild yeah. things. And she's been doing uh, articles recently for yeah. us. And yeah. I mean, they do all have disclaimers and warnings. Of, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not, I know. I'm not telling you yeah. can eat this, but yeah. you can. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Like, we don't have any of these restrictions in Denmark, so yeah. we just tell them eat. <laughs> eat whatever you <laughs> want. I mean, I have one morning with Renee where it was, um, uh, I think we got up like at 
probably 6 a.m. a summer morning and went into the like big main park in Copenhagen and we were like picking um, beach you know, birch shoot from the, all the henches there. Yeah. It was like one of the, this is the main thing. This is where everyone go to hang out for the <laughs> park and we were picking all the yeah, <laughs> for for shoots and stuff. And they're um, like, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure if there was any like, I mean, we were so early, so there was no one there to watch us. Otherwise, we'll have trouble. I know they're like, uh, yeah. they finally cracked yeah, yeah. the pressure of that third book. Yeah. Just did them in. <laughs> How different was it working with Renee than working with John Besh uh, down in Louisiana in in a, in the area you didn't know as well as yeah. in your hometown? Um, very different. I mean, not in in a. I mean, they're both uh, very interesting, very much into the food. They're both both great guys. The food is probably the biggest difference, uh, where John's had to be more kind of, you know, everyone get together and cook and mm-hmm. stuff. And Renee's, I mean, I doubt how many people's actually going to cook yeah. from. I mean, I, I must say the first book, my mom, I was very impressed my mom... Uh, cooked one of the recipes for me one night. Oh, yeah. Yes, but I, I, haven't, I haven't cooked anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but where John's is much more kind of, you know, easy. Uh, but it was a new kitchen for me, so it was very interesting for me to see that and learn about Luciana Kitchen and learn about uh, that food down there. Yeah. Uh, the majority of your work isn't food, per se. You know, you do a lot of yeah. um, interior yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. What do you enjoy most? Do you know what? I really enjoy that I have a bit of everything. I don't really think about a shoot as being a food or an interior or a portrait. I, For me, it's about creating a world or creating a universe. And um, that doesn't, if, if that's a, a Noma universe or if that's like for, you know, um, an interior shot for some company or it's, a, or it's a portrait. It's all about telling us, I think photography is about telling a story. So it doesn't matter too much to me um, what the subject is as long as I can, you know, create this world. Uh, I don't really like to show up and shoot and leave again. I like to kind of be prepared and pre-prepared with the team and 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 create, you know, with light and props and colors yeah. and composition and create this whole little um, story or universe. Um, so I think I'm very lucky that I have, you know, different subjects that I shoot because I think if I was shooting food every day, I would... I would probably have a hard time finding new inspiration all the time now because I'm, you know, one day I'll do some food, one day I'll do some interior. It will all feel exciting to me. And yeah. It will all feel like new and I can take a lot of inspiration from when I'm doing interior or still life to the food. I mean, obviously, if we talked about the paintings and stuff, which is very um, still lifey. A lot of that's when I shoot still life. I also take to the food. So the, I try and make a little still life with the food, yeah. whether it's just a plate or whether it's a whole, you know, setup or table or stuff. Yeah, I like the cross-curricular um, aspect of it all. But these people, these chefs that you work with, yeah. uh, Renee, John, also must appreciate um, the amount of effort and time you put in. You I know, hope so. Probably, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the foundation you have from Schiller um, is kind of the similar foundation that a lot of cooks should have yeah. in kitchens yeah and uh, you don't often find that in photographers no i know so it's, i think it's very healthy to grow up with um, i mean i feel very lucky that i grew up with a lot of photographers around me at that studio because i feel like a lot of my friends who grew who was like studying in a little studio where everyone was like afraid of other photographers yeah. afraid of people taking their job like I mean, if I'm not getting the job, I would like someone, one of, you know, one of my yeah. friends to have it. Um, and I think 
um, if you grow up and see, you know, that you can, you know, we were all like people were um, borrowing uh, equipment from each other, and it was it was all this kind of big house. Uh, and I think that's important that you know you're open minded and and not too kind of. Um, close in and afraid of other yeah. people. I hope both photographers and chefs take that into consideration. Yes. <laughs> take that mantra into mind. Uh, Dita Isiger, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Looking for forward me. to Noma number three. Wow, and I'm going to have to try to find that elusive oh, yeah, number yeah. one now. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will be on the search. Thank you. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you here next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on HeritageRadioNetwork.com as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. The following is a message from NOFA NY. Do you dig local food? Love organic farmers? Do you crave to be part of a growing movement of consumers concerned with the state of our nation's food system? Then sign up today to take the NOFA NY's Locavore Challenge this September. Join 5,000 other New York locavores that are hungry, active, and ready to change our food system. Learn more at www.nylocavorechallenge.com. Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to cull the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.